Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Sharing something that I know is absolutely true about every single one of you. We all breathe oxygen. Well, that's true, but that's not what I wanted to say. I know most of you, some of you I don't know that, that well, and some of you I don't know at all, particularly if you're joining us online, I might have we might have never met before, but there's something that I know is absolutely true about all of you. It's a universal truth for all of us. And that truth is that you were present for every single decision that you ever made. Every decision that you have ever made in your life, consciously or unconsciously, whether you're proud of those decisions or whether you hate them and ashamed of them and regret them, the common denominator to all of them is you. You ever thought about that? What a fascinating and joy-filled reality that is. Our greatest accomplishments and our deepest regrets, the common denominator, is us. We were present for all of them. Even if unconsciously, we were still present. And some of those decisions that we made in our life, we would consider them to be regrets, wouldn't we? Things that if we were to have our time over again, we would change something. We would make a different choice. And why would we make a different choice? We'd make a different choice because our information has changed. We've gained some insight into the consequences of our choice, and we didn't like what we saw, or we didn't like what we experienced. And so if we had our time again with new information, with new insights, we would make a different decision. What do we call that process in our mind? Do you know what we call that? Taking information and applying it to a context, that's called wisdom. Taking knowledge, information, understanding, shaping it towards a context or a situation and applying it appropriately, that's what we call wisdom. The ability to make a decision by marrying knowledge and a situation together in an appropriate way. So why, why are we talking about this? Why do I begin with this concept of wisdom and the way it helps us in our life? Well, we are kicking off this brand new series, which is called Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets. And I know each of us would be more than happy to journey through our life for the rest of whatever, however many years we've got, and God only knows what they are. If we could journey through our life by making better decisions and living with fewer regrets. We would sign up for that, wouldn't we? We'd say, tick, I'll tick that box. Thanks very much, God. If I can live my life with making better decisions and fewer regrets, I'm down for that. And this series is actually shaped from a book 
uh, by Andy Stanley, uh, and he's a pastor over in, the, over in the States, in Atlanta. And I read his book earlier this year, and this series is shaped around the ideas that he presented to his church around living and making better decisions with fewer regrets. So over the next five weeks, we're going to explore five questions. Today, I'm just going to lay the groundwork, but over the next five weeks, I'm going to explore five questions that we can ask ourselves. So you're not asking this of everyone, anyone else, you're asking this of yourself. This is a self-reflection exercise. That will help those, and these five questions, I firmly believe, can help us make better decisions and live with fewer regret, regrets. And so my hope today, my only objective, is to lay the foundations for this series and help us explore the key connection that exists between the decisions that we make and our preferred future. Because whether we realize it or not, you and I, we decide our way into the future. Some of those decisions we're aware of, many of them we are not, but we decide our way into the future. And most of those decisions seem insignificant in a moment in time, and many of them are. It doesn't actually matter that much whether you have wheat picks or toast for breakfast. It doesn't actually matter that much. Unless you decide to somehow have an entire loaf of bread as toast for breakfast, or 45 wheat picks. Those two are significant choices in your life in terms of your ability to listen to my sermon. But generally, a lot of those decisions that we're aware of in our life don't matter that much, but each of them in some way shape towards a preferred future or take us towards a future that we prefer that we wouldn't or that we wouldn't experience if we had a choice. But each of those choices is ultimately incremental. And this, to be honest, we know this. We do know this. We know that when we eat the cake, it takes us down the road of diabetes or obesity. It doesn't take us very far down that road, to be fair. So one piece of cake, diabetes does not make. But 12 pieces of cake or one piece of cake every day, down the road, you, understand, you see the connection? We know this. So we understand the connection between the choices that we make and our preferred future. But most of us, we forget it, or we excuse it, and we go, well, this one doesn't matter that much. But what I want to explore with the rest of our time together today is that connection and why it matters so much. But the big idea of this series as we look over the next, over these this six weeks, the big idea that I, I want us to capture and understand and really drill down on is that good questions help us develop the wisdom that we need to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. The good questions in our life give us the wisdom that we need to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. Regrets. And here is why questions, I think, are more helpful for us in, in, in undertaking this process than instructions. Because instructions are good, aren't we? Aren't they? But how many of, how many of us love instructions? Some people, are, there's a few people that embrace it. But when, we get, when it gets down to it, many of us don't enjoy instructions that much. So here's why I think questions are better than instructions. Good questions, I think, expand our perspective and our understanding of things. Put it this way, so 
when we stop and think about our everyday lives, we often repeatedly fail to grasp what we truly do and don't know about the world, about the situations that we encounter. In our everyday life, we actually quite often fail to grasp what we do and what we don't know. And this is the main reason, or one of the main reasons, I believe, that we come unstuck when it comes to making decisions, is we so often don't have enough information or we don't know the information that we know of. We don't think about it. And so that's where good questions help us search the current areas of knowledge in our own mind, but also helps us search the assumptions that we might be making. Because every one of us in our life makes assumptions about certain things, about how people are feeling, about how much we do know, about how confident we really are. And those assumptions can lead us down a trap. And so questions can help us explore this. And, and psychologists and 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 um, counsellors and, and life coaches, they all know this. Because when we go and see one of them, what do they do? They ask us questions. It's frustrating. Because you go somewhere like that for some answers. I need some help. And all they do is ask me questions. And as they do so, all the psychologists and the HR specialists and counselors in the room are like, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what we do. Because if we were to tell you what to do, you wouldn't do it anyway. So they ask us questions. And those questions unlock information and help us develop our own conclusions and help us make our own decisions. And if you're a parent, you know the power of this reality. If we somehow manage to get a child to do what we ask, that's a miracle. But the true mastery of parenting is when you manage to help your children think that what you're asking them to do was their idea. Because then they do it with joy and passion and enthusiasm, do they not? Well, sometimes. And this, it's no different for us. And when a question helps us understand a reality, we gain the perspective we need to think of it as our idea. And that's not manipulation, that's just discovery. That's called maturity. Because we as parents, is this not true? That we, we don't want to be telling our kids what to do all the time, do we? It's boring, and we're not going to be around forever. We've talked about this before. We don't want them to not touch the oven because we tell them it's hot. We want them to understand the oven is hot and not touch it for themselves. It's the same idea. In this, when we truly understand, we can make decisions for ourselves. That's called maturity. And that's what we as parents want for our children, but also God, who's our Heavenly Father, wants the same reality for us, wants to see us grow up in maturity. And if we don't want to see our children live a regret-filled life, how much more does God want us to live a regret-free life. And so these questions, I believe, are going to help us do that. So good questions expand our perspective and our understanding, but they also, they help us decide those, the decisions that we need to make and inspire us to actually make them. But it's kind of what I mentioned already, is that when we think, when we, when we have an idea that is our own, or at least we think it's our own, and we own it, 
We are the driving force behind that decision. We're inspired by it. We're excited by it. And so good questions help us get to that place. Because once we own our decisions, we're inspired to action. But lastly, I think good questions are universally applicable. So the questions we're going to look at during this series are universally applicable. They're going to apply to you, and you can use them in your financial situations. You can use them in your relationships. You can use them in your parenting, your grandparenting, your great-grandparenting, whatever generation, whatever age and stage you're in, your aunting, your uncling, your leadership. These questions, I believe, have universal applicability, and I think good questions do that. So that's why we're shaping this series around questions rather than instructions. Good questions ultimately help us develop the wisdom we need to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. The writer of Proverbs, reflecting on the value of wisdom in our life, says this. He's reflecting on wisdom as an idea that we should grasp. And he personifies wisdom by giving it, like he embodies it. He says, choose my instruction, as in choose the wisdom that I offer, instead of silver. Knowledge, rather than choice gold. It's worth more than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than the rubies you can gather, and nothing you desire can compare with her, can compare with wisdom. Nothing else that you can desire can compare with wisdom. Because I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion and hold them together. When we understand the true value of wisdom and what it gains for us in our life, We truly don't want anything else. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to develop our wisdom by adding these five questions to our decision-making framework. So that every time you need to make a decision of significance, or magnitude, or even of insignificance, you've got these questions as a part of your tool belt. And if we're honest, we actually already ask ourselves questions when we make decisions of significance, don't we? We ask questions like, can I afford it? If it's a morally questionable thing, we ask, can I get away with it? Am I going to get caught? Is it really the right thing to do? Is it, we already ask ourselves questions when we make big decisions. Am I going to get in trouble with my spouse? Is this the right example for my kids? We already ask ourselves questions, so this series is designed to add some to that decision-making process. So having reflected on this for a while, I actually, I believe that if we ask these questions seriously of ourselves, answer honestly and act accordingly, we dramatically increase our chances of living with, living by making better decisions and fewer regrets. And I I think the other thing that's helpful for me to mention is that I believe that this series will be helpful for you whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're not. So no matter where you're at with your faith, you might be here and you've been following Jesus for years, or you might have never thought about committing your life and trusting your life with Jesus. I believe that all of this will be helpful for you either way. Why? Why? Because I think it doesn't matter whether you believe in Jesus or not, we can all benefit from wisdom because wisdom is a universal truth about life. We believe that wisdom comes from Jesus, 
but it's a universal thing that we can benefit from no matter if we believe in Jesus or not. But what we will discover, and if you're not aware of this, what I hope that this series does for you, is that as, as we progress through these next six weeks, is that the wisdom offered throughout the Old Testament, the wisdom taught by Jesus, the wisdom taught by the New Testament writers, the Apostle Paul and others, is actually helpful, really helpful, in lifting our eyes to see what is coming, what might lie ahead, and to make the decisions that lead to less regrets in our life, to helpfully, ultimately make us better at life. Because I believe that following Jesus is not just about having eternal life, whatever that really means, because we're not quite sure, to be honest. I haven't been there, neither of you. So we don't know that for certain, other than what we are taught. But we know that it's a promise for us, so we, we take that. But following Jesus isn't just about eternal life, it's about life now. And the question that I get asked more than anyone, more than, more than anything, particularly by my generation, as someone in their mid-30s, is I get that, the, that I'm less interested in as to whether the Bible is true, and I'm more interested in if the Bible is helpful. I'm less interested in what Jesus is teaching is true or not. That's of, that's of less consequence to someone my age in the world, in, the, in our broader culture, than if what Jesus teaches is helpful to them in their everyday life. That's the number one question, and that's what I'm hoping this series will do for us. So in many ways, these questions are going to be helpful preparation. And Jesus wrote a, a parable about preparation. And it's in Matthew chapter 25. Hopefully it'll appear on the screen if, if Mark has it, if I included it in my notes. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parable that really, the context of it is Jesus is talking about the end times. He's talking about what's going to happen when everything comes to completion. And this parable is, is teaching the principles around that. But within the parable itself as well, it's just a bunch of helpful ideas about what it means to be prepared, about what it means to be foolish or to be wise. And it says this, at the time, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, ten young women, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bride, bridegroom. Now, in ancient Israel, there was, a, there was a procession that happened leading to the wedding feast. And the bridegroom had a bunch of different appointments. In, in most traditions, had a bunch of different appointments. Parties, basically. Little sub-bachelor parties <laughs> that he had to experience before coming to the main feast where he met with the bride. Um, now, they were already married legally, and so there's a bunch of other things going on that I don't have time. But what's happening here is that part of that final procession was that he would go to the final wedding feast to be met outside by the bridesmaids. And so in this moment, the bridesmaids, they went out to meet the bridegroom. So they're waiting outside in the dark. Five of these bridesmaids were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps. It's not so foolish. It's dark out there. But they didn't take any extra oil with them. But the wise ones, on the other hand, took oil in their jars, along with their lamps. So they got some extra oil, just in case. And the bridegroom, as it turns out, was a long time coming. And they all became drowsy and they fell asleep, both the foolish ones and the wise. Do you know what that tells me? It's always appropriate to take a nap. <laughs> Amen. Let's, let's pray. No. That's, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But anyway. Um, 
The bridegroom was a long time coming. They all fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out from the herald. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, oh, yeah, uh, um, trimmed their lamps, got them going. And the foolish ones turned to the wise ones and said, help, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. We're running out. He's, he's later than he should have been. So it's not our fault. But we're running out of oil. Can you help? And being good, loving Christians, the wise ones say, no. Because <laughs> if we give you some of ours, there isn't enough for us. Now, I wouldn't recommend this as a general generosity strategy, but it helps us, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. This is about preparation. This is about looking ahead and being prepared and being wise. So they replied, no, there may not be enough for both of us, both us and you. Instead, go to the oil salesperson, salesman it would have been, let's be honest, and buy some oil for yourselves. Come back and it'll be great. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. And the virgins or the young women that were ready with their lamps went in with him to the wedding banquet. They got, they got in. And the door was shut. And later the others came back from the shops. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. We're here. We've got our stuff. We're ready to come in. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. I don't know you. Jesus lands this parable and he says, therefore, keep watch. Because you don't know the day or the hour that the Son of Man will return. The principle is, we've got to be prepared. Part of that preparation, obviously, is for the day of the Lord's return. We don't know when that's going to be, so if we're not right with God right now... Get right with God, because you don't know that we've got tomorrow. That's, that's part of what this is talking about. But I think, I think the idea of preparation, looking ahead, thinking about what, we're, what is coming before us, and preparing appropriately, that's what jumped out to me about this passage. See, the wise ones, they brought extra oil. They, they thought about things ahead of time. They had extra things that they equipped themselves with to be prepared for the situation that was ahead of them. Because they didn't know the bridegroom was going to be late, but they had the extra oil just in case. Whereas the foolish ones, they went with the flow. They took things as they came. They, they caught themselves unprepared when the situation wasn't what they expected, and they missed out on the celebration, on the wedding feast. Friends, I believe that these questions in our life if we, will help us be more prepared, will help us have the things that we need at our disposal to respond in helpful ways to the things that happen in our life. In Proverbs 27, this principle is written this way, Proverbs 27 verse 12, and I think it's in Proverbs 22 as well. The prudent see danger, they see what's ahead, they see what's coming, they see what could be, and they take refuge. The word is prepare, it is to prepare accordingly. They perceive and they prepare. But the simple, it says, they keep going, regardless of what might have been or what the dangers that could be out there, and they pay the penalty. They ignore the reality, and they pay the penalty by reacting just in the moment in time. So, 
being prudent, being wise, having things that we need to help us prepare for the future is so important, so important. But I hear some people saying, and this was a tension I explored as well, was that's great, Josh. You're going to help us make better decisions with the things that are up to us. But what about all the crap that happens to me in my life that's not about me, or that's not up to me, that happens to me, that I had no control over? It wasn't fair because it was someone else's choice. What about when we were hit by that drunk driver? What about a global pandemic that caused me to lose my job? What about that spouse that walked out? What about those parents that I that brought me up, that had no idea what they were doing? What about that person that abused me? What about the brokenness in the world, Josh? How does this help us with that? Well, I would offer you this. And this is a principle that I've been taught by the psychologists and counsellors that I have engaged with in my life, because I think those disciplines are super important to help us stay healthy, And they offered me this as an answer to this really complicated and complex question, is that when life happens to us and the decision is not ours, there is still a decision available to us. There is always a decision available. That our response or our reaction to the things that happen to us in the world is our decision. It is the thing that is under our control. And that might seem insensitive, but when we think about what it is that we need in those moments and in those times when everything else is out of control, what do we need? We need some control. We need some ability to influence our destiny, influence the future. And friends, I've got to tell you that there is always something that is within your control. And even if it is just the decision to respond to what is happening to you, rather than just let it happen and, frankly, pick up an identity that says, I'm I'm the victim and that's all I'll ever be, because that's not God's desire for your life. That's not God's hope for your life. (laughs) Scripture teaches us that we are more than conquerors in Christ. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go great all the time, but it does mean we get a choice as to how we respond to the tragedy and brokenness of our life. And it's that response, the decision that is within our control, that makes the difference between a person who who rises from the ashes of brokenness. And we know these stories, we celebrate them, you see them on Channel 9 and A Current Affair and, and you see them, they're the ones we celebrate and the ones whose brokenness of life crushes them. Sometimes the situations are nearly the same. It's the response, the decision as a response that makes all the difference. And that doesn't, please hear me, please hear me, that does not ever diminish the brokenness that we experience in the world. It is genuine tragedy and it is genuine hurt, pain and frustration. But God never wants us to stay there. God wants to bring us to a new place. And that's a decision that we can make when we are ready. There's always a choice, no matter how small it feels, that gives us the power to begin shaping our future 
towards the best that God might have for us. And so the la- and, but the last thing that I wanted to touch on is that I believe that living and making better decisions and living with fewer regrets is not just about us. Us is helpful. Most of us make decisions that benefit us. We would never disagree with that. But I believe that getting this right is more than about us. It's more than you. It's more than being about you. If no one's ever told you this, I've got to tell you, life is not about you. It's the truth. Maybe that's, that's, the, that's the message for today. That's it. But getting this right is not just about us. Because you're not the only person that's impacted by your decisions, are we? Are you? Both positive and negative. All our decisions have a ripple effect into the world. Sometimes it's an immediate impact. You drink, drive. You hit someone else's car. You take someone else's life away. That's an impact. Very immediate one. But sometimes the impacts echo through generations. Sometimes we choose to share our faith with our children. And we see them sharing their faith with their children. And their children. And their children. All because we made a choice. So it works both ways. It works both ways. If you're not convinced, look backwards over your life. Imagine if some of those decisions your parents had made on your behalf or your grandparents had made, imagine if they were different. Imagine if your parents had decided to stay married. I I wonder about that for my parents. What, What would life have been like if they decided to stay married? My life is very different because they didn't. What if... Your parents, grandparents, your ancestors never decided to migrate to Australia. What if you never decided? Where would you be living now? How would, the, how would your children, your family, changed as a result of that? Would it be more privileged, less? Imagine tomorrow's Anzac Day. Imagine if that young Serbian, if you don't know anything about how the First World War started, If you can imagine if that young Serbian had decided not to kill Archduke Franz Ferdinand and begin a chain of events that began the greatest war that our world has ever known. Imagine that. My point is that we never quite know what hangs in the balance of the decisions that we make in our life. But what we do know is that private decisions inevitably, over time, have public consequences. And so we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to those that we love to get this right. Over Easter, we heard the anguish, the brokenness that Jesus experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't we? And we, if, we, if you know the story, you know the anguish that he, he prayed on his knees and he begged to his heavenly Father, Lord, if there is another way for this to happen, may this cup of suffering pass from me. God, I don't want to go to the cross. Is there some other way? But not my will but yours be done, he cried. And Jesus made a choice, a very private choice before his heavenly Father that had a public 
consequence that echoed across time and space, a consequence that enabled us, you and I, to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, a consequence that enables us to be here. Arguably, I think, the greatest decision the world has ever known. The greatest decision with the biggest impact. So over this next five weeks, my hope is quite simply to equip you with five questions to help you make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. And I believe that if you ask these questions and you answer them honestly and you act accordingly, I believe you'll be totally surprised just how much of a positive impact that we can make in our own lives and in the lives of those that love us. I hope you're convinced, but we'll continue the conversation next week. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, I thank you. I thank you for your word, the way that it speaks truth, hope, and life into us. And Lord, we know this. We do. We know that our decisions have an impact in the world. And Lord, we, we desperately want to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. So Lord, would you help us in this moment to truly understand what it is that you offer us a way forward that is not under our own strength, but it is enriched and blessed by you, our Heavenly Father, who wants the best for us. Help us to trust you. And help us to connect the dots so that we might have the best life that we can have. But more than that, that we would be able to be an abundant blessing to the world that you've called us to serve and to love. And loving God, if we've never trusted you before, if we've never realized the choice that you made that would have an impact upon our life even now, Lord, help us to see it. Help us to trust you this morning, to place our hope in you because you have the best in mind. And because of the free gift of grace you gave us through your son, Jesus, we can be in a relationship with you and know that our future is secure, both in the eternal life and in the life you call us to leave, lead in this life. So Lord, give us the courage and the wisdom to receive what you have for us today. And may we live it out tomorrow and in all the days to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Josh.